0: Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And we're two 20-somethings, <laughs> surrounded by balloons, <laughs> rereading our favourite children <laughs> this time, without a doubt, called Cynicism. In today's episode, we're reading chapter... Shit, what chapter are we reading? <laughs> chapter 20 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So grab a glass of, grab a goblet of what? Grab, grab a goblet, a goblet of, wine. of wine, and join us on this oh, <laughs> reminiscent journey. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is so least comfortable i've ever been recording a podcast just move the ones that are I'm annoying just, you they're all annoying me so hannah has gone insane what do you mean what do you mean what do you mean We're, you told me you wanted to celebrate this moment did i <laughs> i don't know what you said right Hannah, should we not say why we're celebrating in this episode? Yeah, let's just leave it like this. We're celebrating and you're not going to find out until like three quarters of the way through Yeah, we've got themed alcohol as well, Um, but we won't tell you why. So we are surrounded by balloons. She's got, what do you call these things? I don't know. (laughs) We've got those motherfuckers and we've got confetti shooters which Hannah's gonna regret like fuck. Yeah, I am. But you guys won't know why, but just... I mean, if you can see us on the video podcast, hello. If you can see us then, yeah, if you can see the chaos that... I can't believe you're not enjoying this. Hannah's really proud of herself. I went to a party shop. I've been trying to re-really organise this year. It's really unhinged. Why? This is a huge moment for us. No, not static! No. (laughs) First up, we've got some Patreon shout outs to thank people for joining us on Patreon. So a Fountain size thank you to Faith. A Hercules size thank you to Helen. A Mount Vesuvius size thank you to Maria. A Merope size thank you to Marie-Claude. A kettle chip size thank you to Kylie, who is a new producer level patron. A cat size thank you to Katrina. A gnome size thank you to Georgius Sveva. And an Evolution Isn't Real size thank you to Eva. Thank you all so much for supporting us on Patreon. We've just recorded a new episode of My Immortal with Neil. So if you want to hear us reacting to Neil reading My Immortal, you can find that on our Patreone. Our what now? We also have some more lovely Q&A things to read out. So our Q&A from... I've done this in reverse order, so this is from our last episode, a.k.a. the one... No, not... Our last one when we were recording, which was the one before our Christmas episode. I could not have phrased that more confusingly. One hundred and seven. No idea. Uh, Our Q&A was, do you think Dumbledore used Veritaserum to get the memory from Slughorn the first time? Ah, yes, I remember asking that. Aria Labaria says, not quite sure. Slughorn, a bit paranoid AF, so I don't know if Dumbledore would be able to. Also, I love your podcast and keep man-hating, I love y'all from California, <laughs> heart emoji, y'all funny AF. I feel like I'm W homies. <laughs> Okay, with homies. Thank you. From Ava says, uh, I think he used the hood old trick of getting drunk like Harry did. That's why the memory was so sloppily changed. Hood old trick. (laughs) Yeah. Miller says, I bet he simply took Slughorn to some insane wizard gay club, got him super drunk, and then on the after party at 4am persuaded him to give him the memory with no actual magic needed. Boo Gava said, Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that one just made me laugh yes this is just a uh, made up i'm assuming m-a-i-i-x-r-o-z-u says i would never have thought of that because i'm about as observant as harry if not worse but yes he totally did that no doubt about it and livy hilton says no actually yes <laughs> iconic <laughs> brilliant uh yeah we now ask a question um at some point in every episode and you can answer it um if you're listening on spotify there's a section to answer it on your phone we don't know what the question will be yet because we make it up on the spot Woo! charlie what are you drinking today <sighs> i fucking hate our patrons they have ignored my kind request to disregard my previous request for nasty alcohols and they have persisted nonetheless and they are vile abominations of human beings and quite frankly i quit oh bye then bye that's why we're celebrating (laughs) because it's our last episode ever what are we drinking this came from clara Clara says, now to the torture. I have been very much a goody two-shoes for a long time, so I don't know all the drink types, etc. what to recommend, so I opted for the crazy route. What I did have ever since I turned 16 is a glass of wine with my parents on the occasional Friday evening, but we never can quite agree whether to drink red or white, so perhaps you can taste both at the same time. The task I've thought of, basically, is for you two to mix red and white, 50-50, and add a goblet of wine twist to it. Pick one of the crazier liquids you have in your cupboard and add just a little bit to it. Perhaps each one of you a different one. I didn't do that. So, I put in a, a, a splash of moonshine and then half red wine, half white wine, and Again, theming on the episode, which will come apparent later. I've put it in special um special glasses for us. Mm-hmm. This but- isn't actually meant to be drunk out of. No, no. Cheers, cheers. This it's so much liquid, and I don't like red wine, and I definitely am not going to like this. It's half white wine. Oh, it's fine. Can't even taste the moonshine. Worryingly, weird. Mm. like a real wine mum i just have the world's <laughs> biggest glass yeah like... somebody bought me that it can fit an entire bottle in there wow yeah it basically has <laughs> but yeah <Half> of one. <laughs> for reasons that will become apparent theming with the balloons this was actually excellent timing from clara yeah clara this isn't actually that bad it just kind of tastes like weak red wine mm. but thank you for going back to our goblet of wine roots and yeah well sorry we didn't actually explain for people that aren't watching on video Charlie's is in a wine glass I have that can fit an entire bottle of wine in and mine is in a goblet. This is a trophy we won at the first ever Harry Potter quiz we went to. Yes, it's very cute. It is. Mm, how are you? Oh my god, yeah. I'm good. Thank you for asking. I'm having a lovely day. We just swapped Aww, Christmas presents. We did. Even though this episode is going out in mid-February. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What presents. It was cute. I liked my presents. I liked my presents. Anna got me something I very almost got her. Which is classic us. And and Neil knew about it. So I opened it and was like... "Uh, uh, 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 uh." Charlie got me some bowls. I did. It sounds really boring. They're great bowls. (laughs) They're very cute bowls. Yeah, I really liked it. And a Christmas decoration, which will immediately go in a box for (laughs) 11 and a half months. Yes, Oz. But I'll be so excited next year when I get it out. Yeah. Right, chapter 20. Lord... Voldemort's request. Both boys are out of the hospital wing because Harry has obviously been in there with his cracked skull. But it's the next day and they're both out of hospital wing. Hermione is friends with them both again. She comes to pick them both up from the hospital wing. It's all good. She starts telling them a bit of gossip, bit of a tidbit that Dean and Ginny had a fight last night. This also feels weird because I saw Dean Thomas last night. Oh, yeah, you did. I did. I, Alfred. Saw, I saw Alfred Enoch in um, As You Like It. Oh, God. And he was excellent. And then when I was leaving the theatre, he was standing at stage door. Oh, oh, it's magic! It's doing it! Sorry. You were saying? <laughs> For the audio listeners, I was staticking up my hair. She was. So now all I'm imagining is like the Alfred Enoch I saw last night yeah. having a fight with Ginny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had a fight. And Harry's monster wakes up and sniffs the air the drowsing creature in harry's chest raised its head and sniffed the air hopefully what (sighs) what i would literally rather be dead than read that so it says so much about what jk rowling thinks about men and their instinctual primal urges it was fine. It, no, it wasn't fine the first time she used it. But she, if she'd only used it that once in that chapter, I might have been able to live with it. But the continual personification to the point where it sniffs the air is actually horrific. Yeah. It's sniffing. It just makes me think, like, the monster is his penis. And, like, it, like is being controlled like a hand puppet and it's just like <laughs> completely flaccid but like rising up and like sniffing the air. Hermione's talking. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, like when you used to put your hand in the sock ah! with the folded bit as the mouth. Oh god, it's awful. I hate it. And also like, Harry has fancied girls before. He had a massive crush on Cho for years and never had a fucking monster living inside of him. Like, mm. no. my god. Um, they pass a small girl who drops her scales on the floor. Mm-hmm. that's just you know a nice little throwaway sentence but harry during all this is the least subtle first person about fancying Ginny, and he's really lucky that ron is as unobservant as him yeah. because he is literally going like oh, there was no need for them to break up over me because they had a fight because dean was laughing about what mclagan did which mm-hmm. feels very out of character for dean yeah by the way it feels like a plot device like dean has always been a really good mate to harry has offered to forge signatures for him drawing pictures like yeah i don't know i he cares about the quidditch team like he really likes quidditch i didn't read this as he was like laughing about it in like a mean way mm, yeah i think in like a wrong way where it was uh, like yeah funny oh yeah wasn't know? it hilarious and ginny because she fancies harry is yeah. like <gasps> how dare you but yeah, Harry's like, they didn't need to break up about it. And Hermione's like, I didn't say they broke up. Mm. And why are you so interested? Yeah, and Ron's just there like... what is very lucky. Yeah. Hermione and Harry's like, oh, I hope Hermione didn't notice anything. Hermione's there like, Jesus Christ, mm. I cannot live with these boys. Yeah. They are going to be the death of me. Or I like to think that Ron... Has noticed, very Uh. obviously, that Harry is so inobservant he hasn't noticed Ron Ron noticing. noticing. And that's why, along the line, Ron is immediately so fine with it because he's had months coming to terms with it. Uh. Because it's so obvious. But Harry's just like, yeah, I'm being so 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 subtle about this. I can't. Ron couldn't see what's inside my head. Mm -hmm. Mm. He's actually just talking out loud. He thinks he's thinking. But he's actually just saying. My monster is sniffing. (laughs) Do you ever get that, like, worst fear that you, one day you're going to say a thought out loud? Yes, obviously, yes. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. That's what this podcast is, though, right? It's just <laughs> saying all our bad thoughts. Oh, God, no. If you think the things I say are awful on this, you should hear what goes on in my head. <laughs> oh, dear. Luna appears and she pulls a number of weird objects out her bag before she finally finds a letter from Dumbledore, which is cute. She's pulling, like, an onion and... What looks like cat litter out her bag, which is it loose? Is it in another bag or a Tupperware? I saw a thing on Twitter today about some like furry in a high school that. Why are we talking about furries? It's connected that bought like litter with her into school and filled like essentially pressed it up against a corner in all the school bathrooms and then shat on it in one of the bathrooms and got suspended. Good. And there were photos. Not off the shit, luckily, but off the, like, litter-pulled and thing. With a note saying, like, furries use only. So maybe Luna was carrying around cat litter because she's a furry. And had been shitting in corners. No? No, you don't think so? No. But why did she have cat litter? What looks like cat litter? You always read my notifications. Yeah, I do. You get so many during recording. I'm popular yeah well popular, popular. I'm gonna be popular uh, we do need a goblet of wine album <laughs> i do ron now likes luna and her weirdness and finds it endearing which yeah. is uh cute because it's character growth from ron and i will take mm-hmm. the bare bit of yeah. this book thank you i will say from like the three chapters that i read yesterday like i really ship ron and luna way more than how her- harry and ron hermione and ron <laughs> and luder and neville and i ship hermione and fred like i just feel like yeah. when did hermione and fred interact in these shops? they have like one shared sentence yeah but every time they do it's like i don't know they just connect fair enough like yeah fair enough she should have gone for weirder pairings yeah. um but yeah i do like Just a minuscule bit of character growth. It skips to later in the common room, later that evening. And Hermione, because Harry... Because she's speaking to Ron again, has gone back to doing the homework for the boys. Like, she's like, yeah, I'll look over it. Which Mm. actually means she'll finish it. And she's only doing that because before, Harry would have let Ron copy his. Which just, like... (laughs) Don't do so much for these damn boys. And also, the amount they take advantage of her is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, they are now 17 and prepping for the adult world. Stop letting her do your homework. And, Hermione, stop letting them copy. Yeah. Flame. Stop it. Harry goes up for his lesson with Dumbledore. I don't know why I'm miming walking Especially because it's like knocking into the balloons Harry goes up for his lesson with Dumbledore And Professor Trelawney is already in the office When he arrives She wants Ferenze gone from the school She's like get the horse out <laughs> Take your horse out And Dumbledore's like, Wait do you know that TikTok audio And it's like whose horse is that <laughs> Whose horse is that <laughs> No, No It's gone It's too late It's too late for that balloon I hope it lived a happy life. This is really unhinged. When is this podcast not unhinged? This is the most unhinged That is been. not true and you know it. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, you so do the
0: next note. Trelawney's being a little bitch. She's like, I'm being unceremoniously... Um, <laughs> I love that I'm a professional podcast where I'm bouncing around a blue meaning that I'm like... Waving around in front of the microphone. (laughs) She's like, I'm being unceremoniously, like, boosted from your office. Boosted. Booted. Oh, yeah. And... So so distracted by the balloons. I can't focus on more than one thing. Just don't look at the balloons. They're later in the episode. Ignore the balloons. The balloons do not exist. Um, Yeah, and... Dumbledore's just like, yo, Harry had an appointment. Like, come on. Yeah, but then also I hate when Dumbledore bitches about... He's like bitching to Harry about like his teach troubles. And I'm like, mate, first you took on a teacher who cannot teach just to keep her safe rather than, I don't know, just giving her a home or like putting under a spell or like something. Surely there's like magical witness protection. Well, yeah, exactly. And then knowing that you'd have to keep her in the school, but... Like, you then hired Ferenz, who you knew would be exiled from the forest, so he now has to stay in Sanctuary at the school. So this is like an issue of your own making, Dumbledore. And on top of that, neither of these teachers are actually competent or trained teachers, so you are willingly giving people a shit education for your witness protection system. Yeah it's like really like the government the ministry of magic should have like a magicking magicking (laughs) magicking, magical witness protection and like as well why does the ministry of magic they only seem to like care about like magical creatures in terms of like controlling them and enslaving them where's the like you know i feel like when you have the ones of like (laughs) near human intelligence aka way more (laughs) That is so annoying for everyone that's not watching the video. We dropped the balloon. We were cute. Dude keeps it up as eat- he's with. This is um, the worst episode. <laughs> <laughs> we were also quite drunk. Um, Are we? I am. That was a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like when you have these creatures of near or human intelligence or surpassing the human, human intelligence. intelligence you know just before a centaur attacks me surely the Ministry of Magic should be dealing with them, treating them as equals and I know this is like an institutional problem and this is not the first time it's come up but like surely there should one be a Ministry of Magic witness protection and also like it should include like centaurs like it's essentially it is seeking asylum yeah like, like he has been exiled from his group and if he goes back he will die yeah but it's not even seeking asylum because because it's like he should like centaurs like are more intelligent than humans, therefore mm. they should they should be represented in the government, and yes. they also should be like like involved and protected. Like yeah. oh yeah, there are so many institutional problems with the wizarding world that J.K. Rowling writes into the story. Brilliant. Okay, you're not just defeating Voldemort; you're trying to change the institution nope just gonna leave it by the wayside yeah and oh. it's like it's a reoccurring theme in Sarah J Maas the author of Akhtar's books that she writes about like the different species of magical creatures yeah. and like and how certain ones are seen as like lesser and are treated mm. as lesser and kind of have like hierarchies and stuff and yeah. how it's like and the theme with the books are like always like how this is like institutionally wrong and you know some people don't believe in it and are like actively fighting against it and trying to make people be equal and not be enslaved and it's like she's like yeah i'm writing this into the book and i'm actually gonna deal with it and i'm not saying that she's perfect obviously but like it's like actually she tries to but... kind of just this read was fantastic i didn't send you a voice note being like what the fuck was that ending why did you make me read this look the second one was good the second one was good the ending of the third one made my spo- spoilers sorry skip a bit if you're reading akita i made my blood boil yeah uh the fifth one is amazing though. okay it's fine it's fine 4th doesn't count so yeah trelawney is kicked out harry sits down for the beginning of his meeting, and Dumbledore's like, "So, how's your homework going? Got the memory?" And Harry's like, "Oops, hm, shit." And I can actually feel his guilt; like, it hurts. It hurt me reading this. Which... Dumbledore does the oh, Dumbledore. I'm not angry. angry. I'm... I'm disappointed. It hurts. it hurts what Dumbledore does. But he's like... he's so good though. He just looks at him. Oh, he it... doesn't say, say anything. anything. No, no, he says, "I see." Oh. oh. Oh, oh no oh, and then just looks at him <laughs> Dumbledore's a savage yeah Dumbledore's yeah really savage and like I'm so in two minds about Harry forgetting his task because on one hand he's a teenager living his life he's got a monster living inside of him and his best <laughs> friend just got poisoned yeah literally we've all been there we've all been there we've all been 17 but on the other hand Dumbledore, the most powerful wizard in the world, or as you believe, trusted you with the first task. I mean, I know that it's a reoccurring theme, but I do feel like Dumbledore could maybe have given him some, like, more clear direction. Yeah, he could have. He's just like get in the memory harry and like harry's such a dumbass like harry harry's like there'll be a spell or something and hermione's like it's you you fucking idiot like you're not better at magic than dumbledore but like i feel like dumbledore should know that harry's not very intelligent and (sighs) like of maybe being a bit more specific but maybe dumbledore was trying to set him up because like okay book seven and i agree with harry on this dumbledore hasn't set harry up enough to succeed like he hasn't given him what he needs to actually hunt horcruxes properly and maybe this was an instance of dumbledore trying not to over explain to harry and trying to let him do things on his own but have you met harry and also when he didn't do it you should have realized jesus christ i need to give this boy clearer instructions for the horcruxes because dumbledore's death wasn't unexpected it was only a few months earlier than it was meant to be so dumbledore should have given harry more prep than he did yeah um This just... Do you know what? This doesn't... Prep means something very different to the gay community. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So what you just said was... uh... (laughs) Uh... I'm going to... Again, I'm going to stick with it. (laughs) This just tastes like really cheap red wine because it just tastes weird. You taste like really cheap red... (laughs) Sorry. Your roommate's cheaper. Screwed up. (laughs) rosy. That's how... (laughs) do you like my taylor swift cardigan for the video people it's non-legit it's an amazon copy do you like because my... at, at the end of the day i don't want to support taylor swift i want to support amazon jeffrey bezos jeffrey bezos, bezos! jeffrey bezos how many times can we do that in an episode like we just say one <laughs> sentence and just boasting the same thing it's very impressive it is <laughs> it's a disease me and my own call it the disease <laughs> where one of us says one word and then we both mm. break into song uh yeah Dumbledore is sass uh, just I just wrote is sass and I want to die is is how I wrote about this feeling where Harry feels really guilty and is just sitting there and also Dumbledore's not saying anything mm. and Harry's like when the silence was too much he said sorry I'm like oh, it hurts it hurts me question yeah if you're supposed to drink White wine out of a wine glass with a stem so that your hand doesn't warm the glass, and red wine out, it doesn't matter, you can do it with a stemless one. What glass should I be drinking this a out goblet of? Goblet, because it's a goblet of wine. Of wine. Yeah, we're also for the one the first time seeing like the teacher side of Dumbledore, mm. you know, like he's always the most chill out the teachers and he is telling Harry off worse than McGonagall does. And that's saying something because McGonagall's yeah. telling offs hurt me. So Dumbledore explains... We haven't got many more memories to watch because there's very few memories of adult Voldemort. He disappeared from sight and those that did know him are not willing to talk about him or are dead. But before leaving Hogwarts, just before leaving, Voldemort asked Professor Dippet to stay and teach. Bear in mind, Voldemort was only 17 or 18 at this point. Dippett refused, saying he was too young. And Dumbledore also advised against the position, which mm. also... Dip it was still in the right whether Voldemort was evil or not. You can't have an 18-year-old teaching 17-year-olds. Yep. That does remind me. When I first qualified as a swimming teacher, I was only 16. And because I was only 16, I mostly got put with the babies. Like the four, five and the six-year-olds. But obviously, sometimes teachers were ill. Lessons got messed around and I had to cover lessons. And I remember once I taught a group of 15-year-olds. And it was people I knew as well. And they were just... I just walked up to them like oh my god, like, how do I even handle this? And they were just, like, taking the piss out of me. And I was just like, just get in the pool. Just, just yeah. get away from me. Like, I cannot deal with this. And then, yeah, like, yeah, it was so awkward at 16 trying to teach other 15-year-olds, like, yeah. swim, swim, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had to manage people older than me before. Oh, yeah, that's... um Yeah. It's always an experience. Spicy. Spicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the workplace is weird like that because that does happen quite yeah. often and you're just also i sometimes don't realize other people's ages i always try to stalk on linkedin and work it out yeah. but especially with covid it's got even more messed around yeah. So, yeah yeah i know like one time like one of the girls i wasn't directly managing her but she was like under me and <laughs> she like looked absolutely like incredible for her age like and i don't mean like she was 30 I like in her 30s and i don't mean that like oh because 30 year old should be decrepit i literally mean she looked like an 18 year old yeah like and so for ages i literally assumed she was like early 20s because mm. i was like well she can't actually be 18 mm. and then i found out she was in her like 30s and i was like uh, i'm having a crisis what <laughs> yeah yeah always weird yeah when voldemort was refused at hogwarts he went to work at borgin and burke's and everyone thought what a waste What a waste Mm -hmm. of all that potential. He's essentially an antiques dealer. Yeah. This is the thing. And I love this. So my living with my parents right now, we've kind of continued a rule that I established in lockdown when I first was living with them where we don't watch the news over dinner. Because previously, like growing up, my dad's always had this thing when we have dinner, like in front of the TV, because, you know, we're the family out of Matilda. We have to watch something... Mutual that we all want to watch, A.K. We watch the news that none of us want to watch, aside from him. And then, like in lockdown, I like really like t- got upset and put my foot down and was like, "We need to stop." I was like, "This is not good for my mental health." Like, obviously, I will like keep up to date with the news, but when I'm yeah, not when I'm like, trying to relax and eat dinner. Yeah, like when I'm like mentally like can do it and just yeah, free hearing. And we've kind of continued that now. I'm living at yes. home. So what we've been watching, which is mutual, is Salvage Hunters, which is literally a guy that's <laughs> like an antique stealer, oh, like going that. around. Yeah, and we've been like watching it like nonstop, and like it's—I mean, I love it. It's fascinating, but I'm like, <laughs> this is Voldemort. This is Tom Riddle. Like he's going around finding antiques, like good for him. Evil antiques. Yeah. But, yeah. Sorry, that just reminded me. This is even more tangentially related. But growing up. We had a real, like, Sunday routine. We always had a roast dinner on a Sunday. Very Mm. lucky. My mum cooks a lovely roast. And afterwards, uh, we wouldn't have pudding. We never had pudding in our house. Like, some people had dessert. We never did that. But on Sundays, we'd have the leftover Yorkshire puddings with butter and sugar. And we'd always have that watching Scrap Heap Challenge. Nice. Years and years and years. It was our Sunday routine and we used to sit in front of the fire with Yorkshire's butter and sugar mm. on watching Scrap I've never Heap never had that, but that's, it's essentially pancakes. pancake. It's essentially so a like, pancake, but yeah. yeah, have you ever watched Scrap Heap Challenge? No. Oh my God, it was the show of the early 2000s. Basically, like such a stupid concept. All these people are in a junkyard and I think it's different teams every week and then whoever won each round comes back for the final, but they get given a task to build something and they have to go around the junkyards and just build it i think my ex used to watch that yeah and then so i might have seen and then it. it's put against each other and a team wins and then yeah. all the teams that like, compete in the final love that i love those little like and i, and I feel like the next gen not just only really i feel like the next generation isn't having that as much like those weird little like tv routine based traditions yeah. like one of mine was we would go like whenever my grandparents would babysit, we'd go around there, we'd watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Nice. And have cheesy biscuits and play cards. I love that. And like, I saw a tweet the other day that was saying that like, what families don't have now is like, a weird relationship with like one film that you've seen a million times because like it was some just random film that your like family just happened to have on DVD yeah. so you've seen it so many times and yeah, that's not but, a thing now. That's mad because yeah I have such a connection to Sound of Music and my grandparents on my mum's side both of who are now passed away but like when I watch that that's my time with them because I would always ask for it to be put on and like oh mm. god I love it but it's because we had it recorded on video like yeah yeah yeah. and then there's other things as well like you know I can't remember if it's Friday or Saturday night X Factor with the Chinese oh my my god the X Factor routine in my family was yeah a whole and it's really special like we had this whole thing in my family because the first two seasons we didn't watch it because my mum thought it was chavvy. <laughs> your mum thinks everything is she chavvy. Does, she I does. I want to introduce your mum to my mum because it's quite funny because they're like the same the person. Same but different. But my mum is the chav equivalent <laughs> of your mum. <laughs> that is true. And no, that is true. I just, I just want to watch what would happen. Yeah. But and then our dads are the same. Yeah. I wonder if they get on. We should set up a dinner for all of us at some point. My parents would hate that. A hate it. A drunken dinner, obviously, not like a formal no, dinner. No, they would really hate that. They're so antisocial. They don't want to so meet are people. So my parents. They're so antisocial. They That's why it'd be hilarious. Let's, yeah, let's do it to torture them. Yeah. Um, so we didn't watch the first two seasons of um, X Factor because mum thought it was too chavvy. And then about, sounds like it's sad, but it's happy now because it's been so long. Mm. It was about four months before my auntie died of stomach cancer. She came to stay around ours for a bit of a break with the girls. And um, she was like, Steve, because that was her brother. Like, my dad's her brother. It, no, that didn't make sense. Anyway, she was like, we're watching X Factor. And my dad was like, no, we don't have it on in this house. She was like, I'm dying. I have stomach cancer. Love it. We're watching X Factor. <laughs> I might lie that I have cancer just so I can get my way. <laughs> Honestly. And my dad was like, fine. And then obviously we were absolutely addicted to it. That She died a few months after that series ended. But mm. we watched all of that series because she got us into it. And then every year from then on x-factor and it was a family thing all four of us yeah with a takeaway or a pizza an oven pizza x-factor and it was such a family thing yeah Sounds yeah. like a sad story. This was many, many years ago. It's now, like, a really happy memory of my yeah. auntie for me. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like the new generation aren't having... Because you don't have the, like... Mm. You I feel know. like a lot of families are into strictly in the same way nowadays. Yeah, but I think, like, uh, it's a lot less, isn't it? Like, yeah. It is less. Because I even still... I mean, is FAC, x Factor still not... Mm-hmm. I don't know, but... No, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, Britain's got talent still on, but I don't know anyone that watches that. No, exactly. But yeah, it used to be such a thing because there was, there was no Netflix, like nothing else was on. So like every, like the whole country and like people don't have that. Yeah. In the same way now. What and a that's sad a shame. life people lead. We've, We've lived, lived in the good old days. We did. In the good old days. Back, back when in you the watched days TV? cable TV. <laughs> oh no, full on. Someone did at work what well, I do sometimes. She was like, yeah, growing up, I only had four channels. No. <laughs> (laughs) And I went, I jumped dog pounded on her and bear in mind, I'm new to the job. I was like, yeah, back in the days when I used to go down the coal mines. But the amount of times (laughs) I have said that, because until I was 11, I only had five channels. But yeah, because someone else did it, I felt fully justified to be like, and when I worked, (laughs) sorry, when I worked down the coal mines. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very annoying. You are. I want to give myself balloon boobies. No. Ah! <laughs> Ta-da! Boobies. I'm really mature, aren't I? Touch my boobies. <laughs> I'm just going to get edited really badly. I hope so. I hope us now doing video podcasts, people do fan edits. <gasps> I want fan-edits of us! Cool, <laughs> right, big head! <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. yeah, all that to say... TV's great. Watch more TV. <laughs> Tom Riddle is an antique dealer, and I've been watching an antique stealing show. Good. That was worth the tangent. An evil antique stealer People love the tangents. So yeah, the flashback is the memory of a house elf called Hokey. Now. Hokey worked for a woman called Hepzibah Smith. Oh, hokey pokey! Oh, hokey pokey! What is it? Knees bent, arms in. Ra ra ra, ra ra ra, We're going to smash the oinks. Where's my backy? <laughs> <laughs> now Hepzibah Smith's description is: I wrote vivid, cruel, not out of ten from Harry. Like, oh, what is it? I didn't... Like, oh, my oh. God. He says she looks like a a iced cake that's melting. <laughs> <laughs> he described her as fat, wearing too much makeup with a bright ginger wig. Okay, because I headcanon Hepzibah as a MILF. Or a GILF. You, no, well it might just be harry being a bitch but her description is awful no no but it's my head canon. good to turn it a bit serious for a minute soz we know from revelations later from jk rowling and also just from the name um Hepzibah being a hebrew name that Hepzibah smith is like implied to be jewish this on its own would be a little bit uncomfortable but fine the goblins it's not very well done at all this mix with the goblins just makes a really uncomfortable reading right because this is a woman an aging woman who is hoarding her wealth in a way that the world views and clearly the reader is meant to view as selfish and jealously Mm. and it's just like she's clearly meant to be viewed a bit as a comedic character but more than that like tragic because she is murdered for her wealth but it's kind of implied oh but you know she wouldn't have been murdered if she'd shared it with her family and things like that and like that mixing with the stereotypes that are used to display the goblins it's just another thing that's like joe really just like come on it's so unnecessary critical thought just just unpack your like internalized bigotries exactly like yeah. Like, if you're going to write this character, don't give her a Jewish first name, you mm-hmm. know? like Or yeah. if you're going to give her a Jewish first name, don't write her full of negative stereotypes of, like, hoarding wealth. It's just And then for Harry to describe her so, like, derogatory of, like... Her this. appearance. Yeah, but not just... Her appearance is quote-unquote ugly i'm glad we got video now people can see what i'm doing there, quotes it's also this she thinks and she is trying to hold on to a lost beauty it's mm. just like very uncomfortable like yeah big ik. Mm. yeah i mean i think it's because also it's like okay she collects antiques okay okay that's the thing. many people do it yeah and also like oh her living room is stuffed with things so she's led a good life and is rich and has collected things so yeah. what? good for and her like, And I'm like, yeah, and my grandma's like that because she used to be an antiques dealer. She's Mm. not rich in the slightest, but yeah. Yeah. And maybe Hepzibah is rich, but we don't know that she doesn't donate some of it to charity or like her room's just full of... Leave it out. Like, I don't know. Yeah. (sighs) And like, why should her family, like have it like you know well she also doesn't say she's not going to give it to her family she's jokes she says my family can't wait to get their hands on this that's not mean it's just funny like it's fine yeah Yeah. i don't know it's uh, it's more the name yeah yeah, jk rowling chooses to use that that mix with how she represents the goblins is just Ugh. just leave it out like come on On another note, Voldemort's had buccal fat removal. I'm (laughs) sorry. Have you seen these memes? No. Okay, so I think it's probably started on TikTok where girls were getting buccal fat removal, which is there. Oh, of course. Yes, I've heard of that. That's a new trend, isn't it? Yeah. Which is worrying because we've just had a a trend for round faces and it's disgusting how it flip-flops. Yeah. And then it's also the kind of thing where, like, it's obviously, like typically a bad idea in terms of aging because you lose your buccal fat anyways you get older so then how skeletal are these pe- people going to look but now it's kind of become like a meme people talking about like just posting like very skeletal characters anyway being like cartoon characters and stuff like oh they had buccal fat removal and stuff ah, like I that see. and then in this it really makes it a thing of like talking about how skeletal and thin his face was like harry goes on about it for ages yeah i'm like Voldemort's had buccal fat removal yes he's an Antique stealer. That's her buccal fat removal. Which I'm sorry, it's how I'm waycoded. Like, like fully. Like... He he's snatched. He's you know. Maybe Harry antiques. just has never seen anyone that's done really good contouring. Yeah. Maybe Voldemort's just like really got into the drag scene. Has really learned. How to contour. And Harry's just never seen that before, which is fair enough. Yeah. He grew up in a sheltered life. The does aren't gonna take him to a drag show. Yeah. He's just amazed at how snatched Voldemort's cheekbones are looking. Yeah. And maybe Hepzibah also in drag. Maybe? <laughs> yeah. But like, here we go. Here's our new headcanon <laughs> Yeah, like, and it also makes sense for JK Rowling to write a villain as queer. Well, and yes. a drag queen. It so does. He buys her flowers. See, this is... My, okay, so my headcanon for Hepzibah. Mm. She's a milf slash gilf. What's a gilf? Grandma you'd like to fuck. Ah, uh, of course. Um, Who, I don't care about her ugly descriptions and her, like, you know, anti-Semitic descriptions. No, she's like... She is a rich, attractive, older woman that's been collecting all these gorgeous antiques. And then my headcanon is that, like, Voldemort is, like, seducing the MILF slash GILF. Because he he is, though. That's like he, is. he is. He he's, buys her flowers. He's fully aware of the fact that she has this kind of... That borderline relationship that isn't... On its own, it's not uncomfortable to read because this does happen with both older women and older men. They have this weird blurring of the line between, oh, I'm, I'm really a bit obsessed with this person, kind of like they're my grandchild, but also... Kind of want to fuck them, yeah. Like, and Voldemort's aware of that and playing into it, yeah, for sure. But yeah, he's he's seducing the mill for yep. trinkets, yeah, and then murders her, yeah. When the seduction doesn't work, he, yeah, yeah, he kind of goes like too hardball at the end, like keep working and she might have given it to you, yeah. Sleep like... with her, try harder, Tom. I mean, yeah. come on, fuck the mill. How how bad do you want the cup and the locket? Sleep with her, go on. <laughs> <laughs> so titled. Sleep with her. Go, Go on. on. <laughs> I then wrote, you know, if hepsibars a naught out of ten to Harry, then Voldemort is a ten out of ten. We it's get an entire fat we get an entire paragraph of Harry being like, if the short hair and the fuller cheeks looked good on Voldemort, then the long hair and the bugle fat couldn't he have looked long more hair. amazing. Bill, or, serious. Oh, like Harry is. Thirsting over young Voldemort, he's literally like, I have never seen a person this hot. Ginny's yeah. described as nice-looking throughout the books. Voldemort's yeah. described like some sort of Adonis, mm-hmm. yeah, like. And Dumbledore's just stood there, like, Harry, stop shanking my leg. Get off yeah. shaking him off, like he's a dog. <laughs> Get like, off, boy. <laughs> Harry's just in the corner, like. And before anyone's like, oh, you mixed up their names. Now, meant Dumbledore, as in like. The memory Dumbledore, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I got what you, meant. Hepzibah says she wants to show uh, Tom something. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. And she asks Hokie to go fetch two of their most prized possessions. Brings it out, and the first one is a golden cup, which Tom immediately identifies as a relic from Helga Hufflepuff. Mm -hmm. Hepzibah says that she is a descendant from Helga Hufflepuff. And that's why she had that it's been in the family for ages and then the second one she brings out is slytherin's locket and we recognize this this is the locket that merope was wearing before now i originally when i was writing my chapter notes wrote does voldemort know that this was his mother's but dumbledore basically later confirms it was because he says don't you think voldemort thought he deserved the locket and harry's like yeah to be fair he he did more than hepcabar did but then i'm like how did Voldemort work out that that's the correct locket? Is it just from the tiny pieces of whatever Marope's brother was saying the locket, mm-hmm. she took the locket, Slytherin's locket? And then she, presumably Burke would have told him the story of, oh yeah, we had Slytherin's locket, I've sold it to Hepsibar. Yeah, so because I was thinking before I got to the bit when it mentioned like about the locket, I was thinking like, how did voldemort this feels targeted like he's i mean we know that he went to work for borgin and burks in the first place like just Just to collect collect... trinkets trinkets not just trinkets the most important hogwarts trinkets yeah my trinkets (laughs) yeah and then i reckon that he found out from borgin whilst he was there about the story of the woman coming in blah 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 and that borgin served it sold it to hepzibah and since then he's been specifically yeah. trying to woo Hepzibah. Yes, to find out like where it's kept or if she has it. I don't think he knew about the cup. but no, I think, I think he that was a bonus. About, yeah, I think yeah. he knew about the locket and just got lucky with the cup. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe like, I don't know, maybe he knows exactly what it looks like from like history books or something. I mean, yeah, he's like, we got to remember that Voldemort is like very learned and has like studied everything he can about all of this. And he says, oh, that's Salazar's insignia. So like, although in the films, it's just like, an S. I'm mm. presuming in the books it's not. It's like a specific way, the same way that like the royals have an insignia. Like I only know that actually yeah. because Charles's one has just been released, and I didn't know they made a new one every time. Mm. But, Makes um, sense, but yeah, like I yeah, assume or all like the Hogwarts a signet people. ring. Yeah, yeah, like a signet ring. Um, Yeah, but yeah, at first I was like, does he actually know, or is it like one of those tragic things where he steals it because it's Slytherins, but he doesn't know it was his mother's? But don't I assume Borgen told him the story, and he did the maths. Yes, we did. <gasps> you did it! <laughs> I said vol. Does that count? Yes. I'm quite drunk already. And it's Can funny. Can I just sip your thing? I can't be able to no, get it. Oh, all... No, I've got all the balloons in the way. Get up. Okay, I've got a shot of gingerbread flavoured rum. Ew. Convinced that was empty. Hard? Ugh. I'm fine. Wow. During this moment where Hepzibah is showing the trinkets, I don't know why we keep saying trinkets. You said the TikTok audio. Yeah, I thought, okay, we are both thinking of my trinkets. Boxes for my trinkets. Boxes for my trinkets. Voldemort's eyes are described as flashing scarlet. What the fuck is this? Because this is brought up multiple times in this chapter. Is it the Horcrux magic? Like, the fact he's already made two Horcruxes that is making his eyes flash scarlet, is that a side effect of it? Or is it some other evil magic that he's trying? Because it... I feel like it's only written in here because she wrote young Tom Riddle is looking normal and she wrote adult Voldemort was having red eyes and now she's Mm. like, fuck, I've got to make it like something that like kind of... You know, it's got to be gradual. But... What the hell is making his eyes go scarlet? I like to think it's like those pick-me girls that are like, oh, my eyes change colour, actually. <laughs> but like, isn't I could be wrong, isn't scarlet the colour of envy? Am That's I? green. Oh, yeah. I don't know, I feel like there's a connection there in my brain. Yeah. But I feel like it might have started happening with each Horcrux and it gets worse with each Horcrux. But like, mm. I don't know. It's never explained what magic is causing this. But Hepzibah spots it as well. She's like, oh, oh, it must have been a trick of the light. Mm. Like, oh, it's, it's a bit creepy. Like, they could have done that scene really creepily in the films. Mm. They come out the memory and Hepzibah dies two days after this memory was shown. Yeah. Uh, she was poisoned by something in her cocoa and Hokey was convicted of the murder. Not only was Hokey convicted, Hokey confessed to the entire thing and new details only the murderer could. So the exact same M.O., <laughs> to use the lingo (laughs) as... um Yeah. What's his name? Big Daddy Riddle. No, not the daddy. The brother. Brian. (laughs) Brian. It's the exact same MO as Brian. (laughs) Right. And then this line really pisses me off. Okay. Harry and... I nearly did it again. Jesus Christ. I went Harry and... That would have been so funny. Harry and Dumbledore have a conversation about how... They know. Harry immediately jumps to the point that the Ministry are predisposed to accuse house elves the same way they are predisposed to accuse Muggleborns and other minority groups because there's an internal prejudice there. Dumbledore doesn't, doesn't need to explain that to Harry. Harry says himself and they had a ready-made suspect because... A House Elf is easy to accuse. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore agrees, they have a discussion about it, and Harry internally says he had rarely felt more in sympathy with Spew and Hermione. He has got Creature doing his work for him at this moment, and once again he has that internal thought, and never has the thought that he wants to help Creature more, maybe he should ask Creature what he wants, maybe he should Mm. do more, maybe if he feels sympathy for Spew, he should ask how he helps with Hermione. Not only that, the next chapter, he calls- Creature comes to him to give a report, and he barely feels a bit of remorse that they haven't slept for a week and a half while tailing Draco. I just hate this like flip flopping. Like, again, there's this glimmer of how the plot could have been resolved in this really satisfying way where you unpick all this world building with these magical creatures and actually change the system and it's just left by the wayside for Harry defeating Voldemort. Yeah. It's like, Harry's like, oh, mm, slavery's bad. Someone should do something about that. Like, yeah. Like, it feels like the equivalent of when they banned slavery in America and then compensated the slave owners. Exactly. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. It's just like, it annoys me because Harry has these, these complex internal thought processes processes about, <laughs> about the injustice in the, that's built into the system, but cannot go further than that. I'm like, if you're going to write that... Finish it. Do something. I mean, mean, it reflects JK's own, like, liberal politics where she can be, like... I mean, I wouldn't even say left-wing, but left-wing air quotes to a point. Yeah. But can't, like... Get Get over that hill. It's like that difference between being personally left-wing. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I donate to charity. Obviously, I want to, you know, help those who are in a less fortunate situation. But not wanting the actual systems of power to change because those systems are actually benefiting you. Yeah. That's what's going on in the text because it reflects... Not wanting to give up your privilege. Yeah, because it reflects J.K. Rowling's inner workings which is yeah i donate a lot to charity and i do a lot of work which yes she does like not in the last few years she's done terrible things but historically she's donated Mm. to charities and and done a lot that she can to help those less fortunate in life but she doesn't want to change any of the systemic values that help her yeah i also think like in many cases like obviously don't get me wrong giving to charity is good but i also think in many cases it's such like but it's it's a moral signaling being oh, like, yeah. oh, like, I'm some incredibly rich person, very publicly giving money to charity. Oh, yeah. I- it's like, and I remember, like, growing up, you know, when people are like, don't be your heroes, blah, blah, blah. And, like, people always, because I was so obsessed with Harry Potter and mm. J.K. Rowling, people always said that to me. Lol. But, like, and pe- but people always used to be like, no, but, like, you know J.K.'s, like, a good un because she gives money to charity. That was always the thing. Mm, yeah, But it's like, but how do people know? Yeah. How do people know that she's given so much charity? Because she fucking publicises it. It's moral signalling and yeah. it's not actually an indication of you being a good person or wanting that change. Yeah. Like, <laughs> t- today on Goblet of Wine, why giving to charity is bad? <laughs> Previously on Goblet of Wine, minority groups are the worst. Today on <laughs> Goblet of Wine, don't give to charities. I love being white. <laughs> <laughs> so they're back in the present Harry's being a fucking idiot by the time that Hepzibah's family noticed that the locket was missing and noticed that something was up with the death Voldy had uh done a runner quit his job and gone on the lam like he mm, he he'd, no he's not there anymore so Hoki was convicted yeah he french exited he life. really did french exit life um but yeah, it's sad that Hepsibar Smith family did realise something was missing. Mm. But again, it's kind of, this is where I got annoyed with the negative portrayal of Hepsibar, is Dumbledore kind of implies that it was Hepsibar's own fault for guarding her treasures so well that even her own family couldn't work out that they were missing for like a month afterwards. By that time, Dumbledore had gone on. <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. I am going to kill myself. <laughs> I love this. (laughs) I love this so much. No! Wow. Do it, bitch! (laughs) You should have a shot. Why? I've not done it. I'm intelligent. not a shot but okay. shut the fuck up i hate my life i don't know where i was <laughs> dumbledore implies that Hepsibar was somehow wrong for hoarding her treasures oh. and that just goes back to my previous point of she was being displayed like in a negative light for keeping her treasures locked up and her family not knowing where they are and it's just it's distasteful yeah. that was it. that was it. and i've had to take two shots. and also dumbledore points out that voldemort is now killing for gain rather than for revenge. yeah. yes you're right. we're in the next memory. it's 10 years later which i have completely lost track of the timeline at this point because i thought that made voldemort around 30 to 40. but then i looked it up on harry potter wikipedia and voldemort's meant to be around 50. that makes no sense. exactly. Like, unless he was working at Borgin and Burks for, like, a fucking long time. I know. Like, 20 years. I know. I know. Because I thought it implied he was working there for, like, four, and then in hiding for 10 years, and then comes back for this. But apparently this memory is meant to be just before the outbreak of the First Wizarding War. Hmm. It's, again, J.K. Rowling can't... Timeline. Timeline. Like, the entire problem with Harry's parents is because she can't count years. So, Hmm. like... But that kind of thing annoys me because, real dickhead. If I were to write a book. Just say it. No. Just say it. No. Just say it. No. does no, it write I've a gone, book. I've gone, I've gone Australian. No. <laughs> no. 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 Just say it. I've written. Say it. I, I've written a book. Yeah. It's being edited at the moment. That's it. That's all we're going to say at this time. I I wrote a novel accidentally. It's fine. As you do. (laughs) Anyway, Hannah wrote a book. So how did you do the timelines in that? I thought about it. Like, why would you not sit down and work that shit out? Like, come on. If you're going to write people's ages and time... Differences like oh, this has happened ten years ago. This happened five years ago. Write it down and work out what the ages are. Put some fucking effort in. Yeah, no, because like not not to then be like I'm also <laughs> yeah, writing a book. No, Charlie's also I, writing a book because I will never finish it. But like I, you are planning a book. I've started writing. Oh, it. okay, you're writing a book. Like I've written like a relative portion of it, but like technically, like trilogy, although obviously I've only started actually writing the first book, but I've mapped out the entire I've storyboarded the entire thing and I've like worked out the timelines, worked out the big points, and then worked backwards. Yeah. Doing the finer details. Like and I get that like, you know, seven books with a lot going on, multiple plots. She changed her mind a bit at different points in the But like there's such gaping timelining issues. Yeah, and do you know what? I don't mind her messing the money up. That's kind of cutesy and funny that she can't work out the money. It's forgivable. But the timelines where she messes up like when Harry's parents died and stuff and how that affects Snape's age just pisses me off. Because it's basic stuff that you knew was going to come into it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, we go into Dumbledore's own memory and they fall back into the office they were standing in, which again would have been so cool in the films to go through the memory, but you mm. land right back where you were standing. Yeah, and like just some objects have moved and exactly. maybe the carpet's There's snow outside different. the window. Exactly. Yeah. Forks is a slightly different age. Mm. Oh, it could have been so cool. We should really direct some Harry Potter <laughs> films. But, but we then- wouldn't. Just to be clear. Unless... Not that anyone would ever ask. <laughs> unless, you know, Warner Brothers buys it out. Yeah. We get brought on as advisors. That's that's the dream life pipeline. That's the dream. That's the dream life pipeline. Uh, Voldemort has slipped to a four out of ten in Harry's eyes. Boo. Mm. Sad. Yeah, Harry's fully like, mm, his face looks like a candle that's been melted and his eyes have gone red. I don't find him hot anymore. I... It's so... I feel like, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, the only explanation we are ever given for Voldemort's... Oh, I so almost did it. Change of appearance is, like, something to do with always becoming less human because Hellcrux is splitting soul, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that is the explanation, yeah. But, like, that... Sorry, weak as fuck. Yeah. Because, like, if there is a physical indication of having cruxes surely this would be a documented thing even though i know it's not exactly you know a consistently done thing like and therefore why did they need all this evidence in slughorn's memory if it's like well look at him you know like it just feels really weak and like what it is is jk rowling being like oh he has to get uglier as he becomes eviler because yeah. ugly people are Bad. Which is like it's kind of frustrating because she wrote this extremely handsome villain, which fair enough, you wrote a bisexual main character, it's fine, Joe. But like, keep him as hot. It's interesting. It's more reason for people to and I don't mean more reason in the more reason in the way that like No, I do mean it the Han way is like, like it. How is like people wouldn't follow an uggo? <laughs> no, I mean that people are more likely yeah. to be charmed by an extremely handsome person. Yeah. Would you? join a cult for someone you found really, really hot? I love that TikTok trend. Have you seen the duets of someone being like, what would it take for you to join a cult? No. Oh, it's so good. But to- I want to see it because, yeah, I've discussed this with people yeah. before, like, how yeah. would you join so a cult? so there's like all these people, like, replying to it, being like, what it would take, mm-hmm. and like, just really admitting that the bar is incredibly low. Yeah, really like- hot person. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It would have been interesting if Voldemort, yeah, the name's right. It was hot throughout. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also just I don't know, and I understand that it's like an <laughs> book or whatever, but like I just find something so cheap about it, like, oh, he's becoming less human, so he looks less human, you know. It's just it's a bit pantomime. Exactly. And I think she wrote herself into a corner because she wrote Tom Riddle is hot and then she wrote Voldemort was coming out the cauldron ugly and she had to create then in book six she was like fuck gotta create some sort of yeah I feel like it would make more sense to be like he came out the cauldron ugly because he's been in a cauldron Yeah. Yeah, like it actually doesn't need to be like the magical resurrection. That's a really good point. He could have been hot until the end of the First Wizarding War Mm. and then he comes out the cold and ugly because he's been magically transfigured from a baby. It's a bit of a Frankenstein monster kind of Mm. thing, you know? That would have been better if he'd been hot until the end of the First Wizarding War. Voldemort (gasps) enters the room. (laughs) Harry thinks he's ugly. He says he's been traveling a lot. It's in the cold. They have this kind of like... When you're having a conversation with someone you clearly don't like and you're making forced small talk. Yeah. And then they're trying to be very polite to each other. So Dumbledore's like, do you want a drink? Side note, where he now keeps the pensive, he originally had an entire alcohol cabinet. Love it. Legend. Like, I'm imagining it, like... I think s- his life's gone down here. Exactly. Where's the alcohol now? Yeah. Where is it, Dumbledore? Yeah. I like it- to think McGonagall gifted him a bar cart one year. Yeah, he's he, she's like you've used that cabinet for the wrong reasons and it's one of those globe ones but it's like a cool magical globe somehow. Yeah. yeah. So Dumbledore offers Voldemort a drink. Voldemort accepts. So Dumbledore pours him A of wine, a bottle of wine, a bottle of wine, of wine, a of wine, of wine. Oh a of wine, a bit of wine, a bit of wine, a of wine, a of wine, a of wine, a of wine. <laughs> this is <such> a doublet of wine, a doublet of wine, a couplet of wine, a doublet 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 of wine, a couplet of wine, a doublet of wine, a couplet of wine, a doublet of wine, a doublet of wine, a doublet of wine, a couplet of wine, a doublet of wine, a doublet of wine, a doublet of wine, a bottle of wine 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 a bottle of, <laughs> of wine of I bet wine. you can't wait to. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> this celebration for this episode is the one instance in all of Harry Potter which we didn't realize when we named this podcast. No. That's A character says the words, Goblet Goblet of of Wine. wine. Yeah, we have no idea when we named this podcast that it's actually said in Harry Potter. (laughs) And I'm really happy about it. Yeah, same. I love how we've hit a million subscribers. We've hit a four year anniversary that we just (laughs) didn't celebrate. And instead, I spend 11 of our pounds... (laughs) <laughs> on a moment in the books where someone says the words goblet of wine. This is really on brand for us. <laughs> oh, and yes, that is why we're drinking. We're drinking. The the podcast alcohol that was chosen was amazingly timed. Like yeah. I didn't actually plan this for this episode. It just landed on it, but then I decided to put it in goblets. So <laughs> So that's the end of the podcast. Yeah, we now. Now we've got to this point. We're, we're done. We're done. Um, Thank you to the podcast listener, and I can't remember your name because I do get quite a lot of messages, but who messages... All us, right. Sorry. Who messages saying, oh, I'm reading ahead so I can be prepared for your future episodes. Did you know that Dumbledore says Goblet of Wine at this moment in this chapter? And I was like, thank you for doing my homework for me. Wasn't she like, brilliant, Ooh. I knew it was coming up, but I didn't know where. What I love is that Goblet of Wine is said cons not to reference Aqatar again, but constantly. It no, const- it's so constantly. constantly. Like, same- I messaged you the first few times, and after that I got a bit bored of messaging See, doing about it. I did not get bored of it, and I was messaging, uh, like, book chat, group chat I had. Every single time we just a photo of my Kindle saying Goblet of Wine. Goblet of Wine. This is like, you know, whenever you're like reading something or like watching a film and the title of the book is said or the film is said, this is the reaction that should happen every time. There should be confetti and balloons and themed booze and cups and... I'm so happy. I, I, it is on rand for us to celebrate this above anything else. I'm oh, so happy right absolutely. now. Absolutely. I am and, thrilled to bits. But also, can I, can I just say, Hannah did not pre-warn me of any of this. I think you mentioned confetti. And then, like, we came in to record this. She was like, can you blow up balloons? And I was like, what now? Yeah, and then I was like, do you want to record what I'm getting the alcohol? And she was like, oh no, it's moonshine. Oh, red wine. White wine! (laughs) (laughs) I like how you said white wine was like, a white man? No! (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is very on brand, chaotic, random. Love it. Um, This is how much fuss should be made of us constantly. Yes. When we walk in a room. Yeah, I want confetti. Goblet of wine. Goblet (laughs) of (laughs) wine. Goblet of wine. Goblet wine. (laughs) Goblet of wine. That's Stephen Fry saying our podcast name. Why haven't we Mm. utilised that more? I know. Anyway, this is what I imagine Dumbledore gives Voldemort. Also, this is the only scene in the books where, like, Dumbledore and Voldemort have a lot of conversations, but have, like, a civilised, non-fighting conversation. It's very Mm. cool. But, yeah, this is exactly what I imagine he gives him, what we're holding right now. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. You know what I bet? I bet someone's going to message us like, you realise Goblet of Wine was said in, like, book two, chapter three, and we're going to be like... Oh. (laughs) If someone does that... Because unfortunately, we've ruined our own um, ability to find instances of the words Goblet of Wine being mentioned, because if you Google it, obviously you can set it before this podcast starts, but if you Google Goblet of Wine Harry Potter now, it's just about us, funnily enough. Yeah, if someone messages that, I'll block them. (laughs) Wait, we need to do the Leo decap gif you know when he does the yeah 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 dumbledore's been offered the post of prime minister three times and my thing is democracy why is he democracy just getting doesn't exist, who is yeah. but who is offering it who who is more senior than the minister that is <sighs> okay good answer i don't know um I genuinely don't know because democracy doesn't seem to exist. It does in some ways because at one point it says like Crouch was up for the top job but Fudge ended up getting it. Which then lies a democracy. But then he was offered the job by who? I like to think it was like a write-in vote for minister. No, no, no. I like to imagine that's how many spoiled ballots there were that it was more than the two votes. Yeah. But no, but could you imagine how chaotic elections would be if it was write-in? Like you could write in anyone yeah so we could like elect like paris hilton if just enough people and then she had no choice like paris hilton (laughs) would have to be the prime minister of the uk she's not even a british citizen (laughs) and now she has to be the prime minister of the uk which quite frankly i support because i love paris hilton see the thing is if people aren't watching our new video episodes of gobble of wine they're really (laughs) missing out on charlie throwing confetti in her own gobble (laughs) (laughs) My own glass of wine. Uh, (laughs) Should we change the podcast name to Glass of of Wine? wine. (laughs) Harry Potter and a glass of wine. It's just so much more lo-fi. We could... Our next podcast could be based on the really incredibly awful series by Sarah J Mass, Throne of Glass, because then it could be... Wine of Glass Throne of Wine. wine. (laughs) That would work. That would be quite a cool through theming. Do you want to drink out of my goblet? <laughs> for the experience. A... Although I already have. You already have. I've, you know, washed it since then in the four years that have passed, but... That sure is wine out for goblet. Yeah, it is. My next note is more serious. I really didn't enjoy the discussion these two had about <laughs> Dumbledore refusing to use Tom Riddle, i.e. Voldemort's new chosen name, because Mm. it is good in the original context of the book, the fact that, you know, Dumbledore not only is saying he's pretending to be an old fogey, you know, oh, we can't change, but actually what he's doing is a massive power play because he's refusing to acknowledge Voldemort's power. Good. But now everything we know about J.K. Rowling, it just feels really uncomfortable. Like, a a moment that was a good power play and an interesting dynamic has been really ruined by her. Cancelling Dumbledore for dead naming Voldemort. Yeah, literally I was like, Well, you're dead naming Voldemort, so yeah. I mean Yeah, it's not the same, but it definitely has vibes. It has vibes only because of everything JK Rowling's done. She's ruined her own text. I love it when you act like me, when you're like, Yeah, it has vibes and then... <laughs> It's also a threat. I think it's not just like a power play. It's like I know what you did to those children. I know what you I, did yeah. last summer. Exactly. I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. Tom asked to come back to teach, which is he said he would come back uh, when Dippet originally refused him, and he's come back this year specifically because Dumbledore has been made headmaster. Therefore, the Defense Against the Dark Arts. Actually, no. Wikipedia told me the Defense Against the Dark Arts position is open, but that's not true because what teacher was Dumbledore? No. Yeah. Who's Transfiguration? It's actually a lie that Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them has come up with. Interesting. <laughs> really interesting. Do I look good? Next. This is sexy. Anyway, yeah. If you try to look on the internet, though, it says that Dumbledore used to be the defense against the dark arts teacher, but that's not true. That isn't true. So Dumbledore has clearly, in his teachings as Defence Against the Dark Arts slash Transfiguration teacher, told his pupils that love is the most powerful magic. And Voldemort's like, oh, you're still peddling that? I have never seen evidence of this. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, I find it interesting that even at this point, Dumbledore has this... I can't take (laughs) you seriously. Take those (laughs) off your mouth. (laughs) Sorry, I'd uh, put... Confetti on my lips. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did have a really intelligent point when I made this. Come on, now I, know, you I can can't do remember it. what it was. You can do it! Yes, yeah, so I find it quite interesting that Dumbledore, even at this point, is like pushing this, like, because I always kind of assumed that he came up with it not came up with it but like it was kind of inspired by harry yeah by lily you know her love saving harry blah 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 but it's like it's interesting that he was already being like no love is stronger love is stronger and then gets proven right mm. like where did this shit come from where did it come from he's so knowledgeable but like it's big gay, gay in it We'll talk about it le- later because it's Neil's least favourite part of the book and I'm sure he wants to talk about it. I don't know if it comes up in his chapter, but just generally throughout books six and seven that love is the strongest magic and that's a weak end to Harry Potter. And I get that, but also mm-hmm. I think it's like a bit more nuanced than that. But the crux of their argument coming down to like, I haven't seen any evidence of love. Yeah. is just a bit weak. Yeah, I think I, re- I dislike it. And we can talk about this later on in the series. But, like, I dislike it, but I think I would dislike it less if it had been explained better. If there was, like, actual, like, a concrete, like, I guess, system of how love is stronger. Rather than it just being like, love Love. is stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Dumbledore asks about the Death Eaters, which kind of puts another one up on Voldemort. Because Voldemort hasn't realised that Dumbledore knows. He's got the Death eater staying in Hogsmeade. And this is another hint about Aberforth. And actually, I want to point out how well Aberforth is built up. Like, yeah. I really didn't appreciate during any other readings apart from I've done for this podcast, how peppered through every single book Aberforth is. And it is really well done. Like, Mm. really well done. Because actually I kind of thought, do you know what? It's a bit of a get... When I first read it, Mm. I was like, it's a bit of a get out in book seven. Like, suddenly this new character appears that can help them. No, almost every book has a mention of Aberforth in some capacity. And it's really well done. Yeah, and because this is what I always say about Doctor Who is that when russell t davies was writing it it was great because you always had bad wolf Mm. um torchwood do you know what it Uh, is it's that reward for the second watch yeah. That's what it is with this. Yeah, yeah you're not going to get it yeah, first. It was it's always peppered in and hinted at. There was all the uh, Donna Noble stuff as well. Like, yeah. it was always littered through. And then Stephen Moffat took over and it was just like... You are cracking the da, de, da. Crack I'm going to the... say some random nonsense at the last minute that you could never possibly work out or see coming. Like... And it's it's cheap, it's and cheap. yeah, I think definitely when you do it on the first read, you're like, oh, that's a bit cheap that he's just out of nowhere here, like you know, Before who Dumbledore has a brother, what? Yeah, but no, it is actually really well like foreshadowed and sprinkled in there, yeah. like it's yeah, like it's definitely one of the undeniable bits where you're like, yes, you yeah. plan that, yeah, it's really well done, and I i like it for yeah i think there's something really great about like introducing like a really great character like at the last minute yeah if you've prepped it that well it's a fantastic device yeah yeah definitely but yeah like yeah so what Dumbledore basically says is no 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 i just happen to be close with the proprietor of the hogshead Brian. i will say it's weird that about 50 percent of the aberforth foreshadowing is about the fact that he fucks goats that's a bit weird yeah that's weird but it's still foreshadowing. So Dumbledore asks why Tom is really there. He's like, come on, let's get to the point of this. I'm not gonna let you be a teacher, why are you here? And Tom refuses to say and storms out. Like they have a whole argument about it. And yeah, Tom is like, if you're not gonna hear me out and Dumbledore's like, you knew I was never gonna hear you out. You knew I was gonna never let you be a teacher. You wanted this meeting so I could allow you into the school. Just tell me for once in your life what you're doing. And he storms out. Thing is, why did Dumbledore? I know it's good in the end that he did, but like, why did he let him come in when he knew he he had an agenda? Exactly, exactly. There was a agenda. Like, it's not like Voldemort was going to go, oh, okay, so actually, you got me. I'd be making Horcruxes and I was going to hide one. And actually, in that short time he's in the school, although lazily, he does hide the diadem. Yeah. It would have made more sense if it was like, he let him in, but then secretly had him followed again yes. by a house elf or something like to yeah. find out what he was doing. But it's just like, he's like, oh, darn it. He didn't tell me his evil scheme. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a bit weird. He lets him in in the first place. You're right. Yeah. I mean, obviously good that he did because it meant that it was hidden somewhere that Harry could find. But I think it's almost like he would have broken in anyway to hide it. Yeah, And In breaking in, would he have hurt people? Yeah. So they come out of that memory and Harry's kind of like, why? Why did he want to be let in? And Dumbledore's like, lol, you really need to get Slughorn's memory, idiot. Like, he's fully like, I can't answer that question until you do your fucking homework, bitch. Valid. And finally, finally, six and a half books in, we get a real confirmation that the defense against the dark art job is cursed no teacher has lasted longer than a year since this meeting i kind of love this because it's like when you have that like rumor in school that you always think is bullshit rumor but then it gets confirmed yeah yeah exactly but also this even by my estimations that it happened later than I thought it did, it happened in the 1970s. If it happened more when I thought it did, it happened in the 50s to 60s, which means there is 20 to 40 years when there was a defence against the dark arts teacher that only lasted one year. At a minimum, yeah. this has been going on 20 years. But How have they got anyone to stay? Know. But doesn't it, like, not make sense because of Quirrell? I swear there's a reference in the first book to Quirrell, like already having been there i think the reference you're thinking of is hagrid saying oh this is professor Quirrell." before the term starts he'll be your defense against the dark arts teacher but it's feasible that they were introduced all of that just went down the back Sorry, it's fine it's feasible that they would have been introduced beforehand maybe but then also how would voldemort have known to be like i'm gonna possess that one and he's like i don't know it's just good luck that he ran into him yeah but also there is between 20 and 40 teachers who have taught this position you wouldn't find anyone to do it i know hagrid makes the joke oh nobody wants to do it because you know they're all only lasting a year but seriously no one would want to do it like by 40 years some you've realized something's really up yeah i guess not all of them die or something but like maybe it just loads just resign it just becomes a Oh uh, uh, yeah 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 but i yeah i agree i do really like this it's been a joke throughout the books no one's lasted more than a year mm. and then it's it's yeah. proved proved real and that is the end of the chapter we have a question Sometimes I feel like everybody is a the sexy. sexy orphan. <laughs> do you believe that characters can have a life and identity outside of the one the author intended and completely unbeknownst to the author? If so, do you think the trio would like she who must not be named if they ever met? JKR. Or do you think the trio who ultimately chose outcasts as their core friends i.e. Neville and Luna, would be ashamed to be associated with JK and who she has become. And that's from Kylie. Yeah, I think they absolutely would not have had anything to do with her. Like, she's so undeniably on the wrong side of history. Yeah. And all of Harry Potter is about being on the right side of history, even though they aren't always actually 100% is supposed to be. But there. it's being like... To whatever degree they are on the right side. Yeah. I think it's so ironic that J.K. Rowling did her job too well. Yeah. Like, not only did she create a generation of people that were extremely liberal in their views because of what she put in Harry Potter, she created characters that would end up absolutely hating her. And I even, based on Kylie's question, like, thought through what each of them would do. I think Hermione would be the first to turn against her. And like the boys would still be like no 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 it's fine and Hermione would be like no here's all the reasons why not Mm. Harry because he is so practical would have to go and have a conversation with JKR he'd be like no no no, I need to see this for myself I need to talk to her yeah then he'd turn against it Ron would be the last to turn but the first to throw a punch like yeah he would be the one who if they were forced into a dinner party yeah he was the last to turn to the side but he would punch someone in her defense yeah In in their defence, not in J.K.R.'s defence. Yeah, and I think to answer the bit about, like, if it's possible for characters to kind of take on a life of their own, I think it's not so much that as much as, like, you have to have consistency in writing. And if you've written a character to be a certain way, you can't try, as J.K. Rowling might, just retcon that and have them go against how you've described them i guess and like yeah you can if it's bad writing but i think that then the reader has the option to be like yeah no i don't buy that like if you describe a character i don't know as let's just say like bossy is an example you can't then have them be really submissive later down the line so yeah. if you write all of these characters and being like oh they're you know really like left wing on the right side of history like believe in you know the outcast and things like that you can't then be like oh no but i think that they also would hate trans people yeah And yeah, I also think that sometimes people bring up with Harry Potter, which is a valid thing to bring up with this whole massive issue at the moment with J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter, that death of the author does not apply because she's not dead and money's still Mm. going to her. And I think that's valid. Obviously, funding is still going towards her. And we, as our stance that we're taking with this podcast, do not fund anything that gives money to J.K. Rowling you can take your own stance on it but that's the stance we as the podcast say the correct one <laughs> like we still talk about Harry Potter because we want to create a safe space for people that enjoy it but we nothing we do anymore generates any money towards J.K. Rowling right but some people say even that stance is wrong because even by talking about it we are generating talk about Harry Potter which generates money for her and that is a fair enough stance to have I respect people that have that stance but in that stance they're like death of the author does not apply but I think that like this is such a unique situation and people will try to look at different points of history you know this person said this and you know actually A.A. A. Milne who wrote you know um uh, Winnie the Pooh was actually a bad person it's like do you know what this is an instance that hasn't occurred before and actually I don't mean it to be like this is so new and it's breaking all the boundaries but like Yeah, it is, because Twitter and social media didn't Mm. exist, and what's happening right now is a unique experience. So you can't apply what has happened in different massive texts before, because Mm. Harry Potter is as big, let's not beat around the bush here, it is as big as Alice in Wonderland, as Shakespeare. Like, Mm. I'm not trying to be like, oh... But it is, It is in terms of British history, it is. So, like, you can't apply those other things to it, so the decisions we're all making are still... I don't know. I just mean like you can't compare them to be like that's the right decision, that's the wrong decision. Yeah. But in that way, yes, I think that J.K. Rowling wrote such like rich, strong characters that yes, they do live outside of her because the community is the strongest part of Harry Potter. She, she wrote this at if she wrote this now, even now like the community that exists wouldn't be the same because she wrote it at the dawn of the, the internet age. Yeah. And that created this community and that's unique to harry potter and therefore the community i think owns harry potter more than she does and that's my opinion nowadays yeah agree yeah but thank you that was a very interesting question yes. kylie i liked it a lot and that is the end of the episode and the podcast and the podcast goodbye it was lovely getting three quarters of the way through six books with you Yeah. if anyone wants to finish off for us go ahead <laughs> <laughs> bye bye <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Yolanda, Sir Bandersnatch, Samuel, Patrick, Nick, Michael, Layla, Kylie, Joshua, Jasmine, Ash,